All right, everybody, welcome to episode two of What the Fraggle Rock is Real Estate. How do we know what a Fraggle Rock is? Um, All right, again, we're always using technology and trying new things out. So I am Nathan Graham. This is Stevie Sosi. Susie. I'm always always going to mess that up, um, unfortunately. So we're on episode two of um, What the Fraggle Rock is Real Estate. And uh, so we're always going to be covering different topics. But right now, uh, after our first podcast, we had a few people reach out Mm -hmm. and just start asking a few questions. And we wanted to take the second episode and maybe the third or the fourth and possibly the fifth just to answer your questions. And hopefully we get some more uh, some more life going on in real estate yeah absolutely sense. so i i think we we said this last time but just to uh put it out there we are located in the gta area like we're on mm-hmm. the toronto real estate board and and that's kind of where we operate so we posted the first episode of the podcast in our um real estate association like schooling group and we got a really great response out of it and uh, we had quite a few people reach out to ask some more questions and we just realized there's definitely so much thirst for knowledge in that group of just, you know, that, that starting point and kind of knowing what to expect in the industry and stuff like that. So we want to um, take a little bit more time to kind of cover some of those questions for you guys. So, and, and even though, yes, we are based in the GTA area, GTA area. Blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. I, I just want to, you know, in 12 years, so I'm going on my 12th year of real estate. You're going on your seven, six, well, six, seven, six, yeah, seventh. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't see it a lot in the GTA yet. I've experienced lots of oil tanks, wells and septics, waterfront properties so it's pretty much running the gambit you ask me about commercial eh, we'll probably get a commercial expert in for that episode uh but when it comes like well septics home inspections anything please ask us whatever you're concerned about Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah again just to preface like i say gta because i feel like that's the most recognizable to Mm -hmm. people like they understand but we're actually located in york region and um i i'm from like a smaller town and um, more rural areas. So definitely familiar with all that stuff as well. We're not just selling condos and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Home inspection on condos. That'll be a quick podcast. Yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, uh, so the first question we got asked is splits. Explain the splits to the brokerage. So I'll let you start and then I'll just throw in when I hear something and yeah. what I've learned. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually had someone reach out to me um, that's studying to get her license right now and um, just asking some questions on splits. And, and, you know, as you're studying to get your license, you'll notice, especially if you're someone who maybe already has connections in the real estate world, you'll get certain agents that reach out to you, want uh, you to join their brokerage. Sometimes they want you to join a team, whatever it may be. And just kind of understanding what the difference between all of those splits are. Again, this is something that I think we covered a little bit in um, our first episode. And that is as a new realtor, you often do not understand the real estate industry as a whole yet. So it's hard to know what sort of things actually are valuable and like where the value lies and what you really should be looking for. And we know that the splits are one thing that people know to ask. It's Mm -hmm. one of the most common things that we learn about, you know, what are the brokerage split? What are the fees? All that sort of stuff. And so we just want to dive into this because I, I said it in the last one that they are not the most important thing and do not get caught up in them, but it's important to understand the difference in what you're getting yourself into. So for example, some of the most common splits that you will come across in a, from a brokerage to a realtor is a 70-30 split, an 80-20 split, or a 90-10 split. I would say, would you agree those are probably the most common that you'll come across? Yeah, uh, for sure. I'll let you go on the splits because we do sometimes see a 95.5. Yes. But there's also caveats to that. Mm -hmm. And usually you'll see a bit of a caveat to a lower split. So I'll let you explain those three and then I'll jump into the caveats. How about that? And yeah, so a 95.5 is something that you'll, you'll see. I would say it's not the most common. I think they're becoming a little bit more popular now, but you know, they're definitely not the most common split that you'll see. Um, And so basically what that is, just for anyone who doesn't totally understand, the split to your brokerage is a portion from each commission check that you will pay to your brokerage. And every brokerage is different. Some have something called a capping system, which is what our our brokerage has. Some do not. So depending on how much you are in production is kind of what is going to determine how much you ultimately end up paying to your brokerage over each year. And so if you don't have something that's called a capping system, again, not to dive too deep into this, a capping system is something that it caps the amount that you will owe to the brokerage that year. If you don't have that, even at 10% at a time or whatever it may be, you could potentially still pay your brokerage a lot more money if you are in production. So there's a bunch of different um, avenues to what should be considered with a split. Um, 
So yeah. I, I'm just going to jump on that, that capping system because, and again, this operates a, a few different ways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have a capping system that says, okay, so uh, I've seen this a few times. You cap to a certain amount of money, um, say it's anywhere from fifteen dollars to $20,000 uh, on average. And I'm going to back up. On average, that's what you're going to be paying a brokerage is anywhere from fifteen dollars to $30,000, give or take, right? Um, but either way, on those capping systems, so some say when you cap at, say, $20,000, you make 100% of your commissions for a very small transaction fee of maybe $100 afterwards. Uh, another system I saw was when you capped at roughly the $16,000, you that's when you stop paying that cap, but you were always, always on a 95.5 split on top of that, right? So you always paid 95.5 and then that 16,000, you could divide up through a different percentage or so much taken off every bill or even pay it monthly if you chose to. So that's where a couple of different cap systems yeah. will come into play. Yeah. And again, these are getting into more of the like nitty gritty details that might not totally make sense to you at this point in time. And, and whoever you're meeting with and whatever split they're offering, that's a good time to kind of ask more about that mm -hmm. and what that means and what it looks like. But just as a generalization, um, the other thing that I wanted to point out is there is a difference too. So we're, we're seeing more and more that people are um, the younger generation, the new generation of realtors that is coming in a lot more people are interested in joining real estate teams. We're seeing a lot more people seeing value in learning from a team and really learning how to be the best realtor that they can be, as opposed to people being so concerned with giving up half their commission um, right off the hop that um, they're just, they're definitely seeing more value in learning. So basically something that I want to uh, go over because we had a question um, from someone is that usually when you see something like a 50-50 split or sometimes a 60-40 or whatever it may be, once you start getting into those larger splits like that, that is usually when you're looking at a team split. I personally don't know any brokerage that has a split of like 50-50. Yeah, like it's pretty that's, hard to find Yeah, nowadays. that's not something you're using. Back in 1960, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so once when you start looking at that, if, if someone is offering you a 50-50 split, Again, it's important to understand what's going into that, but you're usually going to be looking at more of a team dynamic, right? Whether it's very obvious you're joining a team or maybe they're trying to start up a partnership or something like that. Um, so something I'll say is, again, much like choosing a brokerage, when going on to a team, it's very important to interview around and figure out what is a best fit for you because every team is different in the way they operate. Their splits can be different. It can be different in what they provide for you, if they provide leads or not. It can always be different. Training. Training. Huge one. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and with that too, I just kind of want to talk. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind, I know 50% sounds like a lot, mm -hmm. right? To give away. Now, it's not like a, a team leader is just taking 50% of your paycheck and goes to Disneyland. They have a lot of expenses. So uh, we were going to touch on a little bit of startup expenses, but when your career is in full swing, the average listing may cost you anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 to market. Your son, I did a rebrand that cost me $7,000. Uh, an administrator is going to pay $35,000, $40,000 a year, uh, $60,000 for a good one. So when you join a team, instead of looking at your gross, you, I always like recommend looking at your net. To make $100,000 on a team with no expenses is pretty close to the equivalent of making two hundred and twenty dollars on your own with those expenses. Right. So just as we talk about the 50 50 split, I don't want to um, this is why, uh, to Stevie's point, it's so important to interview. Yeah. Make sure you're getting the value out of that team. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's such a great point is, um, again, when considering joining a team and stuff in the beginning, there's a lot of more often we're getting asked questions about what does that look like? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. What's that a dynamic? How does it work? How does the splits work? It's very important to realize when, guys, I always say. 50% of some money is better than no money, right? Like if you're not making not. money, yeah, like people get very caught up again on splits and stuff like that. But like, if you're not even producing, what do you care what your split is? Like you're not, mm -hmm. you're not making any money, right? So always look at where the value is. Um, and getting back to that point is understanding again, what that team is providing for you and what value they're bringing you. And every team is different. Sometimes there is a 60, 40 in uh, a team leader's favor, because maybe they're providing mm -hmm. you with leads. They're providing you with all this stuff. In my opinion, a 50, 50 is actually a pretty good split. It's a, a very team. good split. Yeah. And you don't always get that. Um, so, and again, you, like just the amount that you are going to learn from a good team is you can't put a price on that is one thing I will tell you, especially early on in your career. So I just want to preface though, that when you are on a team, that's what the splits look like. When you are on a broker, like with a solo agent on a, with a brokerage, 
that's what the splits look like. There's a difference. And keep in mind too, let's say you joined a brokerage that had an 80-20 split and then you joined a team that's a part of a brokerage. Mm -hmm. Be prepared for this. You might still be paying 20% off what you earn to the brokerage. You it like doesn't alleviate. Yeah, you probably, yeah, you will. I say maybe, you will. Mm -hmm. So you split it 50-50 and then out of your 50%, 20% will still go to the brokerage. So these are big questions to ask. Really, if I before we move on to the next topic, unless there's a whole lot more, I want to reiterate what Stevie is saying here. Interview, 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 talk to people, see if a team is right for you, see if it's not for you. And remember, they all have good pitches. Everybody has good pitches. Mm -hmm. It's what they can deliver. So yeah. interview as many as you can. Don't just go to the first one that looks good or looks busy or whatever case may be. Absolutely. And take a look. Don't be afraid to ask uh, team leaders mm -hmm. what their team members are making. How are their team uh, team members producing, right? If you have a team that's super large or even small, but there's more than 50% of the team members that are barely making like 50,000 a year, mm -hmm. the value may not be there, right? So another piece of advice I would give on teams just to end it here is something, again, a conversation I've been having quite a bit lately with um, new people coming into the industry and wanting to join teams is I actually see this is a personal opinion, but in my experience, I see a value in a smaller team. Mm -hmm. um, I think you get a lot more one-on-one -on -one time. You get a lot more attention when you start getting to these mega teams that essentially at this point are our own mini brokerage within themselves. You know, the time that you're going to get spent with your team leader and the one-on-one -on -one time and the attention that you're going to get might be minimal. So I always say 10 and under is a great number where there's value there, there's stuff happening, there's a great team dynamic, but it's maybe not so large yet that you're now missing yes. some of that attention. So just another little piece of advice that I, I personally think is... Um, and, and I know you said last thing, but unfortunately, there's so many things on this topic. This could literally be a two-hour conversation. Could, yeah. But uh, with that too... Um, Remember, you need to know your strengths as well. We haven't really dove into it, but lead generation, lead generation, lead generation. That's what we do. You do not actually sell houses. That is not your job. Your job is a lead generator. We get clients. Mm -hmm. That is why the success and failure rates are what they are in real estate. So when you're, if, if you are succeeding at all the fun parts to real estate, like the showings and negotiations, but you're finding the lead generation portion hard that is when I would also be looking at a team. And if I were to restart everything again, mm -hmm. I would join a team just to learn how to lead generate. That would be the big thing. So be wary. Yes, them handing you leads sounds good. Maybe you get paid a little bit less, makes your life a heck of a lot easier. They may not be building you up for a highly successful business. You want to learn how to lead generate. Yeah. And again, yeah. just to finish off that topic of what you said, don't be fooled. Exactly what Nathan said. Do not be fooled, guys. We are not actually in the business of selling homes. No. We are in the lead generation business. If you do not have leads, you don't have clients to sell houses to. So do not be fooled. You are in the lead generation business. All right. How much money should I have saved? Yeah, this is a good one. All yeah, right. startup costs, right? People often want to know about this. By the way, quickly, the next question is typical startup expenses. So we're going to be touching on both these questions yeah. as we go on. But okay. How much did you have saved? You want to, um, <laughs> you know what? So I can't even remember exactly what I had saved. I know I did have um, a, like a, a chunk of money. I think I honestly probably only had like five to 10 grand at the time <laughs> saved, like nothing crazy enough that like I could, you know, get my Rico registration up and like no problem. I was able to like pay for my yes. signs and everything right off the hop, uh, which was a mistake because I ended up joining a team shortly <laughs> after and never ended up using my signs. Um, again, a mistake. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important to have figured out kind of what your plan might be early on, because the fun part of when you first join is like the branding, the sign design, all that stuff. We all look forward to that. Um, but yeah, I did all that. I spent a ton of money getting all my open house signs, my signs, everything. I got my picture on them. I was so excited. And then literally six months later, I joined a team and I never even got to use one of my for sale signs. So that was fun. That was a good. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about that one in a minute about expenses, yeah. but anyways. Yeah. Okay. So my startup was a little bit differently. Um, I took out an $18,000 line of credit. I moved to a place where I didn't know anybody rented a house and that's how I got into real estate. It lasted me about six months. I'd only sold one deal and I needed money. So I actually had to start looking for a second job. Um, so the good news is, by the way, to quickly caveat that story, obviously I didn't get a second job. I started actually lead generating and following up, mm -hmm. which again is a whole other conversation. So that's how you stop what happened to me. You lead gen and follow up. Yeah. 
Um, having said that, it, it depends on your comfort level. I think your startup expenses, just for your RICO registration, everything else, what, what are they now? About two grand? Yeah. Um, Give or take three just grand? Just a bit more of that with everything involved. Yeah, your insurances and all. I apologize. It's been a long time since I've had to do that. Yeah. Um, be cautious on this trap, though, when you start. Uh, as Stevie said, it's awesome when you start. You get excited. You want your name. You want your brand. I have that house guy brand. It's a very unique brand. I spent a lot of money pushing that brand. And still, after 12 years, a very, very few people know who that house guy is. Um, so I say that as a cautionary tale because your brand actually isn't as important as you may think. What is more important is the quality of service, getting out to hustle and getting those leads. If I were to start up again, if I were to buy my own signs, I would just buy basic company signs, put my name and phone number on it, get a couple of sold riders, get 500 business cards. And then maybe, maybe I might look into getting um, some a printout to Vista print for door knockers. But as long as I have those business cards, I'm good to go. So that in the end, that should cost you no more than two, $300 to really start up and start lead generating. And then after that point, lead your business with revenue. Do not invest in something else until what you have is generating money. All you need, you don't even really, I'll be honest with you, you don't even need a business card. Like here's a great script. Steve, you asked me for my business card. You think, can I have a business card? Uh, you know what? I actually just ran out and they're on order. Tell you what, how about I grab your name and number and I'll reach out to you as soon as I get one. And that's how you develop a contact. So you don't even need business cards to really get started. It just makes people feel more comfortable. One thing I'll say on the business card front too is the way of the future. I actually have like a digital business card at this point. So I have a, a one-time business card that you uh, you tap it. Like if you bring your phone near it, it'll pull up all my contact information, all my social medias, everything like that, right to their mm -hmm. phone. And so um, that's an option to look into as well. Um, so one thing I will say on this topic, and this is going to be another rabbit hole that we can definitely go down, but in terms of how much you should have saved up, it is going to vary. I'm going to be honest. It also depends on your situation. If you are someone who has kids, you have a mortgage, you have, mm -hmm. you know, you really do have bills to pay. I would say it would be wise to have at least about six months um, of mm -hmm. expenses saved up if you can. Of course, that's not always easy. It's not an easy task, but just be prepared for it. I guess the best way that we can say that is we all know that the first year in real estate is known as a, a tough year, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to feel some pain in that year. It very much is your building year. You're building the foundation and you're getting all the leads and stuff that is going to fuel your business for the next few years to come. So whatever you have to do to be prepared for that, as best prepared for it as you can, right? Just save as much money as you possibly can to be prepared for the fact that you might not see a single paycheck for six months or so. Um, and that's the best you know, advice mm -hmm. we can give you really is just be prepared for that. The other thing I would say is that one of the most common things that we see, especially with new agents, is coming in and just focusing on the wrong things. And we understand how it goes, right? You do want to build a brand eventually mm -hmm. and do all that sort of stuff. But people seem to think that when you when they come out of the gate, they need to, of course, build this brand and, and get all this marketing done. And they got to send flyers out and they got to do all this stuff. You do not need to do that. Keep your costs low in the beginning. Another reason why some people join a team because it takes a lot of the load of expenses off them early on in their business. Keep your costs low. The most important thing is going out and having conversations with people. Go to the old school door knocking, do the cold calling, do all that sort of stuff. The most important thing is having conversations with people. So go work your sphere of influence, all that sort of stuff. The thing with, I want to just uh, touch on lastly is, I see it all the time with people asking about flyers and spending money on flyers and this sort of stuff. Do not be fooled. Not that flyers aren't good. They can be very effective, but they are best sent out as an additional touch to a neighborhood mm -hmm. when you have a listing or something like that, that you're marketing because then they're seeing your sign in the neighborhood. They're getting your flyers and maybe you've also been door knocking that neighborhood. If you are going to go and spend hundreds of dollars to send out one round of flyers to one neighborhood, it's probably not going to do anything for you. So if you're going to start flyering a neighborhood, you want to make sure that you have enough money that you can do it consistently so that 
it's brand recognition, right? They're seeing it every week, every month, whatever it is, to the point where they're actually starting to recognize your brand. They get one flyer one time, along with all the other realtors that have been farming that area for years. It's just not enough. And essentially it ends up being a waste of money for you that you could have spent yes. elsewhere. And I want to touch on that too, because you're right. You get it one at one time. Mm -hmm. And if you just mail those flyers, it's going to take about a year and a half to get a single phone call. If you're doing it twice a month consistently for about mm -hmm. a year and a half, two years before anybody calls you, this is a lot more impactful and it saves you a lot more money. Door knock. Yeah. Find a set of homes, find a set of townhouses or cold call, but a lot of people don't like cold calling these days. Door knock, townhouses, new builds, 25% of all new build inventory sells within the first five years. That means if there's, there's 25 sales for every hundred homes in five years from a new build area, you can build a career off that, yeah. right? Go door knock it once a month. They will get to know your face. They'll get to know you and they'll get to know you as a market experience. And it costs you nothing. It costs yeah. you time and effort. Yeah. And maybe business yeah. cards if you are door knocking cards or whatever. But on yeah. top of that too, on the new build one, that's a great point because also with a new neighborhood comes a new opportunity to mm -hmm. create yourself as that neighborhood expert that go to, right? If you get in there before other realtors and go start door knocking it consistently and showing your face and getting to know the people in the neighborhood by going and actually having conversations with them, you're more likely to get listings quicker in that area. People start seeing your signs faster then maybe send out a flyer and, and then, mm -hmm. you know, cause then it's another touch. Um, but with, sorry, with my yeah. point to that was with a new neighborhood comes new opportunity to be the go-to in that yes. neighborhood. Um, and before we wrap it up, I, I just want to say, and we're going to go into uh, the startup, which is kind of going to, this is actually blending nicely together. Mm -hmm. these questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So the last thing I'm going to say is everybody is going to try to sell you everything. Everybody has the next best thing. This is a contact sport that, that's, it doesn't matter how you do it. You just connect with people. You go door knock a house and someone, you advertise your services. Like, hi, my name is Nathan Graham from X and X Brokerage. I've recently sold a house in your area and I happen to know in one sells two or three more sell. Bam, they slam the door on your face. That's still a contact. My goal is to get a hundred of those a day. If I get a hundred of those a day, I know I will get six to seven leads. And I know even in my first week of real estate, I will be booking real estate appointments. It is a contact sport. Do not give that away to a company. Do not tell an, an internet lead company will tell you the internet's the future. Guess what? That lead is going to a million other people. I, I've done them. Internet leads are horrendous. I'm not saying don't do them. They're just a lot of work. Contact sport. So keep it going. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything on that? No, I think no? we can wrap it up there. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do to start up? So uh, yeah. Do you so want to start with scripting or you want to start with lead gen? Um, I would say, you know what? A, a little bit of it's, they kind of go hand in hand a little bit because to effectively lead generate, you want to have some good scripts in yeah. place. Um, but I would say the quicker that you get yourself out, actually lead generating is mm -hmm. more important than maybe nailing your script right off the hop. Yes. I would say it's a very ready, go set mentality, mm -hmm. right? Um, you want to, okay. I'll touch on a little bit on the scripting if yeah. that's cool. Cause I, I was a big scripter. I scripted every single morning for, for seven months um, for objection handlers uh, and all the rest. Now, first and foremost, some people are uncomfortable with scripts and the general public might listen to this podcast and be like, oh my goodness, they're manipulating us into everything. No, it's not a manipulation thing. It is creating a defined path with an end goal in a conversation. So you are going to meet somebody with a purpose and you want to make sure that you can convey and articulate that purpose. If you cannot, it does not benefit you. It does not benefit the client. It doesn't benefit anybody, right? So when we talk about scripting, for example, it's how do we break into that conversation? You want to practice your lead generation script. We talked about the five lead generation scripts. So if I door knock Stevie and she doesn't want to move and I say, hi, my name is Nathan Graham from X and X Brokerage. Uh, we just did an open house. We had some buyers want to move to the area. Are you thinking about selling your home? And she says, no. No. Okay, great. So now a lot of people can give it up there. The next question would be, okay, uh, Stevie, that's absolutely fantastic. Or I don't know her name at this point, but I'd say, hey, potential client, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, tell me, what brought you to this area? Or how long have you lived in this area? Sorry. Um, we've been here for about 12 years now. 12 years. Oh, that's fantastic. So you must love, like, what are a few things? As I talk to my clients, what are a few things you just love about this area? We really love the school. That's the reason we came here. We have two young kids. So um, the school, uh, it's one awesome. of the best schools in the area. So that was the thing that kind of drew us here. All right, perfect. So out of sheer curiosity, you mentioned young kids. Uh, they must be at least 12, 14 years now because you've been here 12 years. Yeah. Logic. Um, I'm curious, if you were to move, what, what would your next move be? 
Um, you know what, we probably, we talk about it all the time. I mean, eventually we'd like to move up to our cottage. That's the mm -hmm. ultimate goal. Um, I think though, while the girls are still in school and high school and all of that, we might just make a bit of an upsize and stay in town, but the end goal definitely would be to uh, move up north to the cottage. Sure. Well, out of sheer curiosity in an absolute perfect world where everything went well, when would you want to do that upsize? We're, we've been thinking about, you know, we've been talking about it. Um, the market's crazy right now. We're, we're, it's been, it's been a thought for sure. Um, probably in the next few years, we've definitely outgrown this place. We need, we need some more space for sure. So, um, I would say, you know, probably next year is really when we're going to awesome. get serious about it. Well, listen, I don't know if you'd find it valuable. I definitely don't want to bother you, but would it help if I kept you up to date with what's going on in the area? Anytime something sells, just so you know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, that's no problem. Great. What's your email or phone number? Whatever. Okay, so there you go. That, that was just a really quick off-the-cuff script um, that we would memorize. And as you can see, we went from a no, we are not moving to, yeah, probably next year. We're probably selling our house, right? That is the intention. If you do a good job, and I know I do a good job, and I know Stevie does a good job. If you do a good job for your client, then you are not doing a stranger a service without trying to earn their business because there are a lot of bad realtors out there that do a bad job. And this is just my belief. If I don't do everything in my power for them to work with me, it's my fault when they work with somebody bad. That's I just want to throw that out. So. That's a good point. And um, something, again, I would, I would say on scripts to touch on Nathan's point as well is exactly that there are a lot of, you know, when you first start practicing scripts, they, of course they feel uncomfortable. They feel weird. You feel like robotic. You feel like, you're being maybe disingenuous, like whatever it is, please keep in mind that what a script is, is it's a way to enter into a conversation, navigate the conversation and then exit out of a conversation, but take that conversation to where you want it to go. Right. It's very easy to go up to someone's door and tell them about a sale or something like that, but with no actual end game and understanding the right questions to ask, to get people talking and just to understand what their, you know, their plans are and stuff like that it's very hard to then convert that to somehow getting their contact information. Mm -hmm. And so that's all it is. And honestly, a lot of the time scripts too, when we go into a listing and interview or we work with buyers or whatever, we tend to get asked the same questions over and over and over again, because that's just what people want to know. And so you, you end up having an answer for the question they're asking. And when you find yourself repeating that same answer all the time, it's a script. It's just, yes. it's just the, it's an answer to a question. So keeping in mind guys that what scripts are, they're in place to learn one, and you study it, you study it, you learn it, and then you change it to say things the way you would say mm -hmm. them and how you feel comfortable speaking and stuff like that. So you don't sound like a robot, right? The script itself, you just want to learn the general idea of how that conversation should kind of go and the right questions to ask and then change it, put your spin on it, do whatever so that it feels natural when you're saying it. Yes. And again, I, I just can't stress this enough because this comes up quite a bit. I remember telling my parents that I was scripting. They're like, you're learning how to manipulate people. <laughs> um, they really did. It is not a manipulation to guide them properly and make sure you convey all the information in a timely manner. One thing you will find when you get into scripting your listing appointment with, it's a lot of information in many ways for, for your client. It's like drinking out of a fire hose. So you are doing them a service to figure out how to streamline that process so you're not there for three hours with conveying all the information, number one. Number two, if you're being pushy, if you are being aggressive, that's not the right scripts. The, like the scripts I use like to convey that I'm open, whether we work together or not, is not a defining factor on us having a friendship, right? I, I don't like to be pushy. Uh, so find scripts. If, if you don't want to be pushy, don't be pushy. Just find scripts that help you articulate what your end goals are for the client. Absolutely. And also, guys, keeping in mind, too, that even while using scripts, a lot of it is still an organic conversation. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, learning the right questions to ask at the right time. So you're never left in a situation where you're like, oh, I don't know what to say next. You know, to ask another question or whatever it is just to break down those plans mm -hmm. or convey a message or whatever it doesn't mean that that conversation is robotic scripts. It's, it's going to lead into a lot of organic conversation that you're just having with, um, you know, another person. Mm -hmm. So also don't be too fearful around them. Once you learn them and you understand, you'll realize that they're really just essentially a series of questions so that you'll never <laughs> be left with not knowing what to say in a certain situation. Right. There is like literally nothing worse than leaving a conversation and being like, Oh shoot. I don't even know what Stevie's goal was in life. 
Like, like you're, how can I help you improve your life? Yeah. And then not understand how to figure out how to improve your life. You know what life. else too is the funniest thing is, I'm going to be honest with you, when we're lead generating, when we're doing whatever we get, we're so used to hearing no's, right? Like, are you thinking about selling? No, no, no. When someone actually says to you, you know what? Yeah, we have been thinking about it. You're almost so thrown off that you actually got a yes. You're like, oh my God, what do I say? How do I navigate this now? Right? So you start learning how to navigate the no answers yeah. so well that when you actually get a yes, you're like, oh my God, like it's crazy. So I've, I've definitely been caught with my foot in my mouth more and like caught off guard when I actually get someone that says, yeah, we're yeah. thinking about moving than I do so, when they tell me no. When I used to train new agents, um, and if this agent listens to this podcast, she'll know who she is, but I'm not going to say her name. Uh, she actually was door knocking one day. She went about three days with just nothing but no's. She answered the door. The guy actually turned around and said, yes, I am thinking about selling. She froze turn around and just walk away from the no. door she oh, had no that. clue what that's to do that's hilarious great good yeah, luck yeah. see ya <laughs> um and upon that startup we're talking about uh obviously we're talking a lot about lead generation um man i i can't tell you i, I taught a lot of new agents I, I taught new agents for about three years in courses and i mentored a lot of new agents and i'm going to tell you this right now you are not being unique with your website oh my goodness i want you to be unique with your online presence but everybody's doing it. And I tell people, do not waste your time and money on it. Build a business first, then build your website, then build your brand. Allow the brand to organically form instead of trying to force it. Mm -hmm. And I would be paid a lot more money if I got paid every time somebody didn't listen and went and built that. And then a year later, after struggling, after not making any money, asking me, well, what do I do to need to change this? Mm -hmm. And we go right back to the conversation. So do, do you know the math? I know the math off the top of my head. I'll, I'll run through the math and we'll talk about how to do it. Yeah. 20 contacts a day. Again, 20 contacts a day is your goal. Now I shoot for a hundred. It doesn't have to be your goal. 20 contacts a day, 100 a week will give you seven to eight leads every single week. That is the number averaged out over six months to a year period of time. I don't care how you do that. And a contact is, again, if I knock on the door and I start a conversation with, hi, my name is, uh, Nathan Graham from X and X Realty. It's so hard not to say my own brokerage. From X and X Realty, oh, we just sold and they slammed the door on my face. That is a contact. That is a conversation I started and engaged in based around real estate. If I door knock until I get 20 of those a day and I do that for five days, I will get 100 a week. I will get seven to eight people who are thinking about buying or selling in real estate within the next three months to two years, give or take. And you just keep doing that. So you can do that through cold calling. You can do that through door knocking. You can do that through, I used to love going to bars and talking to people there. I don't recommend that. It's not healthy for the liver, but anyways, um, like what else is there? Yeah. So I, to touch on that again, we're, we are talking a lot about lead generation um, and sometimes it does take time. I mean, it is the most important thing, but sometimes it takes time to, you know, get the courage to get out there on the doors and the, mm -hmm. the phones and all that sort of stuff. Another huge thing that, people don't understand enough when they first start out, work your sphere of influence. This is such a big thing that people try to get around and they start going and spending all this money on flyers to mail out to strangers when they have a whole database of people they already know. And so again, if you don't know what a sphere of influence is, it is the people in your life already that know you like you and already trust you. Mm -hmm. And people also tend to stay very small minded about this, thinking that it just means friends and family. It's not, it's your friends, it's your family, it's your friends' families, it's your family's families, it's all their databases as well. It is the barista you get coffee from, it's your mm -hmm. hairdresser, it's your nail technician, it's, you know, whoever it is that you see, if you're a parent and you drop your kids off at school in the bus line or whatever it is, there are so many different ways. If you are in sports, right? Like I, I think I said this on the last podcast, I'm not sure, but we had a guy here, um, when I, back when I joined or just before I joined, he was rookie of the year, his very first year. And he didn't lead generate, like typical lead generate a day in his life. But he was in a dart league. He was in a poker league. He was in a bowling league. Like, you know what I mean? So three out of the five nights a week, he was surrounded by people that all had a different database of people that they knew and that he would ask for referrals and let them know that they're in real estate and, and or that he was in real estate, sorry. And so again, I encourage you to, 
I, one thing when I got into real estate, I started going to things that I normally wouldn't go to. So for example, for me, like I love a good party, don't get me wrong, but also Friday night, I like to be in bed at like eight o'clock. And so I started saying yes to going to certain events mm -hmm. or parties that I maybe normally wouldn't care to go to because I started realizing, hey, there's a whole group of people there that I haven't seen in years or talked to in years. I know they see me on social media. I know they know I'm a realtor now, but I haven't had the chance to really connect with them. So it was always a good opportunity to go meet people because when you're catching up with someone or you're meeting someone for the first time, the key question to ask is, what do you do for a living? They'll tell you and they almost always will ask you, what do you do for a living? And then mm -hmm. that's your opportunity to then share that you're in real estate. And honestly, guys, people love chatting about real estate. Yeah, here's uh, I'm going to predict the future. Uh, how's the market? You'll get asked almost every yeah, single time always. you tell someone what you do. So yeah. also know your market, by the way. We should jump that one up just quickly. Yeah. For things you start out with, know your market. Look at your stats. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that in another episode. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And when you go to those parties, when you go to those social get-togethers, um, you also have to be careful, too. You are, so I did pool league. I, I shot pool and I, I probably do about 15 ends a year just out of my pool league alone, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. I also captain a team. I also never drink too much. And if I do drink too much, or if I'm even borderlining, I always, always Uber home, right? There's times where I've only had one or two beer over a four hour period. And I will still Uber home just for the perception of what it gets looked at. Mm -hmm. So you remember, you are still going to be a professional. It doesn't mean you can't go and have some fun, but you do want to recognize as a professional everywhere you go, if yeah. that's how you're going to go that road. Absolutely. Like, if, and that's the thing, if you're going, so my, and my point on that was understanding that if you're going to go attend that, that event or with something that you might not normally mm -hmm. do, start looking at it more as like a networking opportunity, right? Yes. So of course, how you conduct yourself is absolutely important. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, have a good time and connect with people because sometimes you connect with people um, on different levels with that sort of stuff. But again, just always maintaining a, a level of professionalism, especially when you're around people that don't already know you and, you know, know how you are and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a fine line for sure when it comes to social events, but they are a great way to just get to know people and get to mm -hmm. know people that you wouldn't have connected with otherwise, because we all have friends of friends of friends and stuff, right? And every friend that we know or every family member that we know has a whole slew of people that we don't yes. know. So so kind of with that, what you want to do is add at least five people to your database every single day for five days a week when you start out. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean they're people who are buying or selling right away, but this might be people, like I said, friends, family, mm -hmm. and everything else. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the last part, I do want to touch on one thing. There's two kinds of lead generation. You have, okay, let's back up. You need to build your database. Your database is your life. So the whole point of this lead generation, this getting contacts is to build your database. Once they're in your database, you're going to touch on your database through client events, through phone calls, through birthdays, through thank you cards, blah, 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 whatever newsletters, um, roughly 33 to 35 times a year. If you do that, you will get one to two deals for every 10 people in your database. I think it's one in 10. Now it used to be two or 12. Now I think it's one in 10 for every person in your database. So the numbers are simple. If th This is the best part. You don't leave this to chance. The numbers are simple. For every 10 people you touch on 33 times a year, you will get one deal. So if you want 10 deals, get 100 people. If you want 100 deals, get 1,000 people. Am I math right on that? I don't know. I don't know, whatever. Um, so that, that's that system. So the whole point of, of all this lead generation is build your database. Now, there's two ways to build your database. One is the not fun way, but effective way. Open, house, well, open houses are fun, but open houses, door knocking, cold calling. Um, I'm going to touch on internet lead generation, uh, but that's costly. I don't recommend doing it at the gate because it's a very low return rate and it's very costly. But these are where you input uh, the social events that Stevie's talking about. That's how you build your database. There's this other side, though, of things like um, social media. Everybody's like, I'm going to build my business off social media. That is a longer return. It takes a long time to generate leads through social media. Kind of like we talked about with the mailing out flyers. It takes about a year and a half of constant people seeing it constantly. Social media is very similar. It takes a year, year and a half. So if you want to build a business off social media, go for it. Just know that if that's all you do, you're not feeding your family in the first year, year and a half to two years. And that's if you do it perfectly. What I would highly recommend is you feed your database through the not so fun ways, like the door knocking, like the open houses, like the actual aggressive work of what we need to do. And then on your off hours in the evening, first things, 
in the morning, that's when you put into your social media. Let your social media build up passively throughout time. Put on there how you're door knocking and how you're lead generating. Let that organically grow and then it'll become an income source. But it's not going to happen right away. Yeah, I think you agree with that because you're like kick ass at social media. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I do agree. Like, honestly, with anything you do, it takes time, right? It just it does. It's consistency is key in this business. And again, to touch on what you were saying, um, don't be fooled. Once again, real estate is a numbers game. Mm -hmm. That's all it is, right? The more you do, you can start to work out literally what your conversion rate is and how many doors you need to knock on to get one lead, how many leads you need to get to convert it to an appointment or um, a listing or whatever it is. Um, and that's really all it is. People like to overcomplicate it and think it's it's about so much more. It's a numbers game. If you talk to enough people, you will get business. And that's just how it gets. The problem is, is that too many people avoid just going out and talking to people. They yes. try to do everything else around it without spending all this money, putting their face on, you know, bench ads and this and that. But they avoid having the actual conversations, which is the thing that's actually going to get you the business. So yep. keep it simple. Just go talk to people. Every chance you get, let people know that they're uh, you're in real estate. Don't be afraid to ask for referrals. They might not be doing something. Do you happen to know someone else that is? And it's as simple as that, guys. And just keep doing it and do it at a high level and you will have a great business. Yeah, with that, go back to my first year where we took out that giant line of credit uh, and had to go get that second job. That was the one thing I changed. I, I stopped trying to be creative about my business, which I can eventually introduce, mm -hmm. but I stopped trying to do it at that time. And I just went to contacting people. I made it a contact sport. That's the one thing I changed. And by the way, that nine months, first nine months, I only sold one deal. Um, the next three months, I did six. So there you right? go. Sorry, and on that. Next year, I did very well. So. On that point with the creativity, something again um, to learn. If you guys are new, go and read The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Mm -hmm. It is known as the Real Estate Bible. It truly is. If you follow everything in that book, you will have a great yes. business. But something on that point to remember is you need to build a solid foundation before you add in creativity. Think of it as a triangle and um, like a foundation at the bottom and then, oh, sorry, creativity at the top, right? If you do it the opposite way, it's unstable. It doesn't work. So you want to implement good models and systems first to build your foundation and then implement the creativity and your branding and all that stuff that makes you a unique individual, unique agent, whatever it is, but you need to implement the solid foundation first. I can't stress yeah. that enough. Okay. One last question. I think we're wrapped up on that one. How yeah, do we start? Yeah yeah. 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 What do we do? Okay. What do we like or dislike? Hmm. I love FinTrack. It is so much fun and you have to do it. <laughs> um okay so let's let's dive in on this a little bit let's try to keep it pretty short and to the yeah. point um there's a lot of stuff that i loved about being a realtor to name some of the obvious ones obviously being a part of um super big moments in people's lives there's nothing like it it's it's really cool mm -hmm. it's really rewarding whether it's a first home which is always extremely rewarding of course sometimes you're dealing with people going through a divorce and that's a really emotional transitional time in their lives um, just being able to help people in, in those kind of times, helping people with their building their wealth, investing, all that sort of stuff. These are big pivotal moments in people's lives. And it's really cool to be a part of also just getting to meet so many different walks of life. Right. Like I've, I've met some really cool people that have uh, impacted me and just had some great experiences, all that kind of stuff. I absolutely love. I love that this business has no ceiling. There's no limit. Sky is the limit to like what you can make, what you yes. can do, what you can create. It's really cool and it's really empowering to get to the point. I'll be straight up about um, and I think it's important to be honest about yeah. this stuff, honestly, for what people can expect. The one thing that has always been one of my biggest struggles as a real estate agent is um, not always being in control of your own paycheck. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, let's say I go out and get a listing in, in a market, not really so much like right now because things are flying off the shelf, basically. But you will have at some point in your career a listing that just doesn't sell or a buyer that doesn't end up buying or whatever. But, you know, what can happen is you can have a listing and you can work your butt off and do everything in your power. And through no fault of your own, a seller can decide to come off the market. Like maybe something happens in their life. The timing's just not right. Like whatever it is, things happen. They decide now that they're not going to sell. So now through no fault of my own, have I not only spent so much time and money in that and worked you know, my butt off to get that sale and, and do good for those clients, I now don't see a single dollar and I'm actually out money because mm -hmm. I spent money on the listing and whatnot. So things like that can sometimes be a, a real punch to the gut, uh, you know, for sure when you've done a lot and you don't see a, a paycheck for it. 
Um, that's always been difficult. And again, I'll be honest, there are times where you will end up working with a client that just isn't the best fit for you. It happens. It's hard to know that sometimes early on. And sometimes working with, with clients that aren't a great fit for you can be very challenging. And so that's another thing that I've always struggled with is, is when that happens. Uh, yeah, I've had a few of those listings too. <laughs> They're always fun. Um, yeah, in, in real estate, you wear a lot of hats and there's actually kind of two little bits. I want to touch on this before we go, but you wear a lot of hats in real estate. You're, you're an administrator, you're, um, a negotiator, you're a marketer, you're a Therapist. lead generator, you're a therapist. Um, I swear when every time somebody gets a real estate license, wine stock goes up another $2. Um, so you wear a lot of hats. I know the part that I, I'm, I've never been good at my life. And uh, to most people who know me, it's not surprising is paperwork. I, I hate paperwork with a passion. Mm -hmm. uh, when you first start out in real estate, though, you have to wear all those hats. Yeah. Um, and you have to do it all because you can't afford to hire somebody. Now, as you want to make sure, and, and I'm, I'm kind of tying this back in, I guess, to, to all the conversations. You want to make sure you're with a brokerage that'll teach you how to leverage that later on. I did paperwork for about my first two, three years. I've learned it. I've done it. I don't do it anymore. I am done with paperwork. I now hire people to do that. But my business has gotten to a point to leverage the part that I don't like out. I still did it all. I would say the biggest thing I love about real estate is... When you get around the right people, you have absolutely no idea what you're actually in for for the rest of your life. When I first got into real estate, I had a mentor uh, in the business and I, we used to do script classes once a week. Now, this I, no word of a lie. I would have to role play a script. Mm -hmm. I would freeze. I would get this pit in my stomach. I felt this way when I met new people too. Oh. So I was so worried. I get this pit in my stomach and it would enclose. And it was like uh, on paper. All I have to do is read it and I could barely get the words out of my mouth. Um, uh, 12 years later, I'm now sitting here doing a podcast that's probably going to be seen by like four people. So like, <laughs> like that's a big jump. No, but like, totally uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now I script all the time. There real estate isn't just going to challenge what you do for a career. If you're with the right people, it's going to challenge who you are as a human being. And, and to talk about that ceiling that Stevie was talking about, you're going to be able to just grow and burst through that ceiling. You will look back. If, if you connect with the right people, you will look back in five years and you will feel like you're looking back onto a stranger and be so excited yeah. about who you're going to meet the next day in yourself. And that's my my biggest love about real estate. I, I did not expect that part. So yeah, and and yeah. again, something that I think you'll you'll learn to that note too is when you get into real estate, there's so much opportunity, and you get surrounded because again, when you become a realtor, you do essentially become a business owner, right? And there's a lot of us that I didn't go to school to be a business owner. I don't know how to run a business, but it gets thrown at you, right? So. Um, you just, you learn a lot and you do, your mindset inevitably changes. Like you might not be one of those motivational, like, you know, people like that or, or whatever it is, but it will inevitably change as time goes on. And you really do start to realize there is a saying um, that you are the result of like the five people that you yeah, surround yourself five, with yeah. most. That is so true. I can't express it enough how true it is. I've learned that people tend to learn that the older they get in general, um, which is why a lot of people's circles get smaller and smaller the older that they get. But it's something that you will learn in this industry very early on that being surrounded by people who uplift you, people that support you, positive thinkers, big thinkers. I can't express this enough. People who have open minds and are big thinkers and see goals and don't look at things as like, oh, you could never do that. People like that are so empowering and they are part of the reason why your business will succeed. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's up to you. You know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. It's up to you ultimately, but being surrounded by like-minded people and people with big goals and big visions, always being the, you know, the, the one in the room doing the least like that kind of thing. Right. So you're always striving for higher goals. It's just, I can't explain tell you how much that will impact your business. I'm getting shivers right now because I love this conversation because yeah. it's so true. Like mm -hmm. if first and foremost, if you're interviewing teams or you're interviewing brokerages and they're just agreeing with your goals, they're not big enough for you. One hands down because we're talking to new people. You need to know that yeah. if they're double your goals, no offense, you're still so new. They're not thinking big enough for you. This, this is a limitless. It, you can literally, you need to be at a place that can show you how to make a hundred, two hundred and fifty, five hundred thousand dollars in your first year. And I've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, 
very quick story. I met a realtor in the States and this kind of goes along with what you go through. I met a realtor in the States a while back when he first got in the industry, he asked his uh, broker of record or his uh, owner and he said, what do I need to do to succeed? And the guy joking around said, you need to sell a house a week. His first 26 weeks, he sold 26 houses. The 27th week, he didn't sell one. And he thought he was getting fired when he walked in Monday morning. Right. So he literally walked in and he said, sorry, boss, I'm so sorry. I didn't sell a house. Um, Please don't fire me. And the guy laughed. He's like, fire you. You're a rookie of the year. We want to keep you forever. Once he realized that he actually only sold about three more homes for the rest of the year. That mindset of who you're around, he was just dreaming bigger than what his brokerage had around him. That's what you need. Surround yourself with people who dream big. Yeah, so. it's huge. And, and and again, it's all that kind of stuff that you will, I promise you five years from now when you're sitting thinking about what you love about real mm-hmm. estate, a lot of it is going to be the people. And it's mm-hmm. not only the clients that you get to work with, but it's also the other realtors and the other people in the industry that will yeah. impact you and your life as a whole. Um, and not just your financials and all that sort of stuff, but just really you'll learn a lot of really cool um, stuff in this business that will impact your entire life. The last part I'm going to put onto that too, is I know when I used to hear things like this, I would kind of sit back and be like, well, yeah, that was all good for you, Nathan, or for you, Stevie, but that's, you don't know my life and walk of life. Well, you're right. I absolutely don't know your walk of life, but I will tell you this. Um, I never graduated high school and I make more than almost my teachers combined. Some people do graduate high school. Some people are single moms. Some people are single dads. Some people are divorced. Some people went to jail. There's a whole lot of walks of life that are successful in this industry. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you know how to speak to people. I did not know how to speak to people. Every morning for seven months, I had to train myself how to speak to people. Now I can, mm-hmm. but that was a year of my listing presentation used to be two hours and it's now 45 minutes because I practiced three times a week for six months with the same group of people. This has very little to do with where you are or where your skill set currently is, what you're good at or what you're bad at. Mm -hmm. All of these skills are learnable skills, learning how to talk, learning how to dream, learning how to be bigger. Um, It doesn't matter where you come from. You can do it. So don't don't think that we are exceptions by any means. Um, I I can one day if you want, we'll have a beer and I'll share with you my story. It's no exception to it. So and we believe in you. Yes, we believe in all you guys listening. You guys are all going to be rock star realtors. So don't doubt yourself for a second. Now that I feel like Captain America. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I I think that's it. Wrap it up there and save it for the next episode. Cool. Well, hey, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for watching this later on. Uh, We appreciate it. Please send us your questions, um, reach out, contact us, uh, share and like these videos as well. We want as many people involved. Um, please share, like it as much as you can. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, other apps. We'll eventually find a way to add all that in. So follow me on TikTok. And on TikTok, yeah. <laughs> oh, follow me on TikTok. I don't want to yeah, brag. I'm up followers. to I'm up to 22 followers. Wow. I've almost surpassed the amount of people I'm following. We're breaking barriers, yeah. you guys. If I could drop this mic, I would. <laughs> all right, everybody, have yourself a great week.